0: Come along with us as we explore the broad world of preservation and the work being done to preserve, interpret, and save our past in a 21st century world. From aquaculture to historic foodways to forensic modeling, we're talking weekly with experts from across the globe. This is your host, Nick Redding. Welcome to PreserveCast. Get a peek behind the curtain and join us on this week's PreserveCast as we talk with Anne Powell, owner of Plan B Baltimore. Anne will share what she does as an owner's representative and how she supports preservation projects and other interesting rehab and new build construction all across this region. After 25 years as an architect, Anne will give us a glimpse at the complexities of preservation projects and how an owner's rep can benefit that. All that and more on this week's PreserveCast. This is Nick Redding, and you're listening to Preserve Cast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Ann Powell, a good friend and also a member of the Preservation Maryland board. But for our purposes today, we're going to be talking about her career in architecture as well as being an owner's rep and what that means and why preservationists across the country should know more about that and perhaps consider engaging with one when they take on a complex project. And so we're gonna try and demystify that a little bit because I think there's a lot of confusion around what all these different things are and why they're important. And we're gonna get to hear it straight from somebody who's doing it as a career right now. So um, we're joining Anne from Baltimore, um, and uh, we wanna get to know you a little bit better. I know your story doesn't start in Baltimore, so tell us a little bit about yourself. where did you grow up and how did you get into sort of the world of architecture, and then we'll talk about the jump to being an owner's rep. But how does one um, get into all of this? When did the spark happen?
1: So I am from Selma, Alabama. And uh, I grew up with my mom selling real estate. And I lived in old town, Selma. And I would you know, let myself into houses that were under renovation and tour them and assess the design decisions being made. I um, also looked a lot of houses with my mom and I just really developed a love of buildings. Um, I went to Vanderbilt and majored in economics and English, but I really felt like something was missing and decided that I would just take a leap of faith and go to architecture grad school. I got a master's at Washington University in St. Louis. And I think that's really when I found my tribe. Uh, I loved architecture school. I liked that it had a lot of big ideas. um, But at the end of the day, you had a drawing, a set of plans that became your, you know, that was your idea. It was all captured there. And then as I entered the profession, of course, I took, I got to take those ideas and turn them into built work. And that's what I really love about, you know, the design and construction industry is starting with an idea and ending with a finished product.
0: And you've spent a a good chunk of your career doing historic structures. Um, that's, that's where you and I met, obviously you doing that kind of work. And, um, Anne has worked on some cool projects with us, um, including a, a historic cabin that we, we saved from near demolition. I mean, it was on, on, on one step away from being pushed over. Um, but I, I, what, where did your architecture career sort of take you? How'd you end up in Baltimore? How, what was the, what's the road from Selma to Baltimore?
1: So um, like I said, I went to grad school in St. Louis and then um, my friends from grad school uh, moved to Brooklyn, New York. And this is the late 90s. And I kind of got interested in that because, you know, seeing it, seeing New York City through their eyes. And so I wound up moving to New York and starting to work. Um, I worked first for a small firm there. Um under 30 people. And that's where I really got a lot of disparate kinds of experience, um, private schools, residential healthcare. Um, the best thing was it was a busy time in New York and I got to, you know, draw and then build what I drew. And I moved on to, um, Perkins and will in New York. And I, so I was working mostly in healthcare at that time worked on a big project in Boston at Massachusetts General Hospital. And after about four years in New York, I decided it was time for a change and moved to Atlanta to move back to the South, but was really only there for a second when I met um, my husband. He, um, he was from Baltimore, and I decided that if I was going to date him, I would move here and get to know him. And so that's what I did. And that was um, 20 years ago, almost exactly 20 years ago that I met him and I moved here. And really the bulk of my professional career now has been here in Baltimore. Um, I, I feel very fortunate to have found this place specifically. This is my kind of town, right? Um, I love the story that I came here knowing no one, and I've had a really successful professional career and have built community in many different places here um, in the 20 years that I've been here. Uh, I'm not with him anymore, but I do not regret being here. Baltimore is fantastic, and I've been raising my family here, and um, I love it.
0: That could be like a little commercial for Baltimore. I think that 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 sells it well. Um, and you live in a beautiful part of the city. And those people listening can't see it, but you have a a beautiful uh, space there too, and in, in a historic structure. Um, so, um, talk to us about. So you have this great career in architecture. You touch a bunch of cool buildings. You you do work in New York. You're in Baltimore. Um, you work for some big firms, some some, some smaller firms. Um, you've done, you know, a lot of really cool structures. Um, and maybe we'll, you know, ask you at the end about some some structures you've you've touched that people might be familiar with. But um, why the jump to being an owner's rep? You know, that's an interesting kind of jump. I think for architects. Um, w- w- when did you make that decision? How long have you been doing that? And then we'll talk about what that actually means.
1: Great. Well, so as an architect, I um, didn't specialize too much. Um, I have a lot of experience in historic uh, adaptive use projects, but um, throughout my career, I've worked um in higher ed, uh, nationally. I've worked on college campuses nationally. I did a bunch of work for the Smithsonian Institute. Um, and I had done some projects around town in the 20 years that I've been here. And, um, kind of what I learned in that time period was the projects that were most rewarding to me, were the projects that were done in my community and that were about reinvigorating that community. Um, And they're complicated projects um, and construction, the, I guess the kind of construction and design and construction industry has changed a lot in the 20 years that I've been here. And I felt like maybe it was time to look for a new, a new thing and I knew that m- what I most wa- wanted, most valued, was working in Baltimore and working to help bring the owner's projects to fruition. So this year in May, I opened my own business and I decided that I would leave architecture, you know, being a conventional principal and project manager, you know, competing for work and winning projects and designing them and building them and work directly with the owner um, to help them manage that process. It's basically the same table that I've set up for my entire career, but I'm changing seats. Um, And that, that, I guess I felt like I wanted to leverage this experience that I have, this 25 years of experience and put it directly in
0: the owner's hands. Well, and I think in some ways, I mean, having worked with you, I think you always, in some ways, and this is, I don't know if this is a good or bad thing, but you kind of leaned that way. You were always kind of thinking about the owner in certain ways. And like, obviously we worked together in that we were a nonprofit, you were on our board, but, um... It it didn't surprise me that you would make that jump because I think you had sort of that, that thought process behind the way you approach things and kind of thinking through not only the architecture and the design, but, but the functionality and, and how it works for the, for the person owning that building. So it obviously you had a knack for it. Um, Let's kind of talk through because people get all sorts of confused about who does what on a construction site. So, like you know, there's the G- the GC and the 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 CM, and there's the, the I mean, all these different. And people love acronyms, um, and they speak in code. And if you don't know how to decipher the construction site, it's it's very. Um, you know, it can it can kind of be a little like scary, like, Oh, I don't know what all these things mean, you kind of just have to nod your head and pretend like you do. But for someone listening, who's like, Okay, we've got this project, we're gonna want to tackle this thing. But I don't know, you know, heads from tails on this, who does what on a construction site, like walk us through the various pieces that you would run into, and then maybe end with the owner's rep and what that position would do.
1: Well, I thought maybe um we could even take a step back because an owner's rep can actually start long before an architect or contractor is even selected. Okay. So would it be okay if we kind of go backwards a little bit?
0: You're you're being a good owner's rep. You're you're representing this this uh, industry well. So yes, move it move it along the way it should be.
1: So I think that was the piece that probably was most captivating for me. I had found that I was very good at facilitating projects and kind of teasing apart what needed to happen when in a project. And so an owner's rep has that opportunity to kind of start as soon as the client wants them to, or th- Maybe it would have been when they're looking at real estate and trying to decide what to do, or maybe they have a you know historic resource like a they have this cool property and they know that they want to renovate it and put it into a new use, but they don't know from a code perspective or a zoning perspective. They don't know what kind of uses can go in the structure or they know it's cool, but they don't really have that design sense to know what directions it could take. Perhaps they want to assess uh, if they could compete for historic tax credits. Um, and maybe have an informal conversation with Maryland Historical Trust or the Commission on for Historical and Architectural Preservation here in the city. That's as early as I can start, right? And it's it's helping people understand what they need to do to enable a project, um, and then from there, kind of leveraging the research skills that I had as an architect. You know, an owner could decide to move into hiring an architect. And that's a process that an owner's rep can do. They can put out, they can help make the list of architects that might do this kind of work and be well-suited to it. They can help make the preliminary project schedule from beginning to end. So you can, you know, figure out your financing and your construction durations and all of those things. And um, even put out the request for proposal for architects' services, So we can start then um, and then help them get that design team on board and then the same thing can happen when they decide to get into construction. We can help manage that process um, to bring the construction team on board. And that's if you're a large institution in town like, you know, Johns Hopkins or University of Maryland, um, maybe you have the team in place to do this yourself. You have your own project management team. But if you are, um, you know, a smaller developer or uh, a smaller institution, you know, you may only do one of these capital, larger capital projects every five or 10 years. And you don't want to carry that expertise internally. So that's the, that's kind of where I fit into the storyline. Um, so that's the overall kind of how to get to construction. Um, do you, is that helpful? And then I, we can it's, talk about
0: It's super helpful for me. Yeah. I think, and I think it, it paints a great picture. So then we get to the point where we're doing construction, who's doing what? Just because I think it's valuable, you know, we're having this conversation about owner's rep and why people listening might want to engage one if they're involved in one of these sort of complex projects. And I think it's just kind of a a unique way of looking at preservation from a different lens. Um, But also while we have you, sort of let's demystify some of this. Who does what on the site? Yeah, so um, the way
1: that the construction Phase is set up. Is, is the, there's there are three letters there's the there's the owner, there's the architect, and there's the contractor. Um, and they uh in the diagram, there's kind of a contract, there's a it's a triangle. Um, the owner contracts in the, in the most conventional projects, the owner contracts the architect and the owner contracts the contractor um so everything needs to flow through the owner in this kind of diagram and there's not a real big connection there between the architect and the contractor that's kind of intentional this is the owner's project and it's their job to manage both the architect and the contractor and imagine that the architect has a project manager that is, you know, managing their project for their firm and the contractor also has a project manager, you know, representing their project team and the owner, that's where the, that's where you were asking, like, you know, what's the difference between the owner's rep or a project manager? Like basically the owner's rep is a f- for hire project manager for the owner Um, so the architect has put together a set of drawings and um, specifications that say everything about how the project should is conceived of to come together so you can set the budget and it's the contractor's job to take those drawings and specifications and turn them into a built project now when we're talking about a historic Restoration or an adaptive reuse, you know, any kind of working in an existing building, there are a lot of
0: unforeseen that can happen. Um, I've and, never run into those. Could you explain that? I'm just kidding.
1: Yeah. And and that's another thing where having an seasoned kind of project manager working directly for the owner, you know, they benefit from that because. You know, I've, for example, I have 25 years of learning what happens when you open up that wall and you find what you weren't expecting or when a floor collapses or, you know, you hope for not calamity, but there's always going to be stuff. And so one of the goals here is to help prepare the owner for knowing what's going to happen in construction, helping them manage uh the changes that do come as construction happens and make sure that they're getting the representation that they need that, you know, between kind of what the architects intrinsic, uh, kind of, I don't know. I don't want to, I don't want to use like slanted language, but everybody enters with this bias, right. You know? And so, you know, the goal here is that you're kind of the glue for everybody in the project. Um, To keep us all focused on the best solutions for the owner in the long term, um, long term delivery of the project.
0: And you truly are the representative of the owner in the sense that you're there for their best interest. Because you know the architect may be very interested in the design, but that may not be the in the best interest. Or you know the way that they design it might be very expensive but unnecessary. That might not be in the best interest of the owner. The contractor might you know we we, would not that there's any unscrupulous contractors out there but they might cut corners that aren't in the best interest or they may you know bring in a sub that you're not comfortable with or propose bringing in somebody who perhaps doesn't have the expertise and it might work for them but it doesn't work for the it wouldn't be in the best interest of the owner so you really are there and when we say representative you like you're there, you're their voice, and you're there to defend their interest at all times. And I think that that's like an important distinction too between all these different pieces, not that the architect or the contractor or anything like don't have the best interest they do. But they have they're representing different interests, and they have sort of different, um, you know, expectations and requirements. And there needs to be somebody there who really, at the end of the day, is representing in the best interest of the owner. Is that kind of fair?
1: That's right. That, that's right. And that's what I think kind of brought me in to this um, this business that I've opened. Um, and that was to to do that. And then I think the other thing that is particularly interesting or a real opportunity out there is um you know, sometimes what happens is is that the owner can get all the way to design and then they're like ready to go into construction. And that's where they feel like they've lost, they've gotten in the deep end. So they might hire somebody to help them with construction. But while it's certainly something that I can offer, you know, I think that the real value is getting in early and helping them plan for their project from the very beginning and evaluating, you know, options and starting kind of before design and setting the table to kind of stay with them all the way through through the project. And, you know, I think the goal here is that you build um, kind of lifetime relationships and then an owner can go away for a few years, you know, and then they might come back and there might be that second building that they want to do, or they have some other, you know, location that they need help with. And so you're always there, uh, you know, with your, with my experience ready to help them. It could be on a very simple little one-off project, or it could be a long-term relationship full of all different kinds of projects
0: let's take a quick break come back talk about how to find an owner's rep how people listening can hire you if they're interested or learn more about plan b your company and where they can find it online um and uh, do all that when we come back right here on preservecast historic preservation can't happen without skilled tradespeople to perform the work and there's a critical need right now for those tradespeople. The Campaign for Historic Trades, powered by Preservation Maryland, is working to meet that need by strengthening apprenticeship opportunities within historic trades. In partnership with the National Park Service's Historic Preservation Training Center and Conservation Legacy, the campaign is currently recruiting for NPS Traditional Trades Apprenticeship Program, or TTAP. TTAP's an intensive 20 week apprenticeship that provides young adults. A chance to learn historic trade skills while working on America's most iconic historic sites. Multiple positions are open for the 2022 season at national parks across the country. Visit historictrades.org for more information on TTAP and how to apply today. This is Nick Redding. You're listening to PreserveCast. Thrilled to be talking today with Ann Powell. We've been talking all about her career in architecture and now her new venture at a company that she has founded called Plan B um, and a effort to provide owner's rep services um, to a variety of different clients um, out there, uh, and doing work in the Baltimore area. Although I'm, I'm sure, um, you know, you're open to working in, you know, the Bahamas and things like that. If people are interested in, in representation in beautiful, um, locations. Um, so, uh, talk to me about how you hire owner's rep. What should you be looking for? How do you, is there, you know, an owner's rep association? Where do you find these people?
1: Um, well, I think it's basically word of mouth. Um, and, and what we look like, well, there's a variety of shapes and sizes. Um, there are some people that uh, kind of look at this as a um, maybe an opportunity to do some consulting, leveraging their career experience once they've kind of fulfill their, you know, conventional career goals. Um, So, you know, some people do it more as a a part-time thing. Um, Obviously, I'm currently working as a sole practitioner in my firm, um, and I'm very to your earlier point, I'm very regionally focused. Um, I've done a lot of work in, um, Baltimore city proper also on the Eastern shore and in Western Maryland, um, and have good relationships with the building officials and kind of the state fire marshals and all those people throughout Maryland. Um, and then you also have larger groups that do this work where they, um, Some some of them are national. Um, So I think the first question is, what's the right fit for you? You know, I think if if you're building a high rise in the inner harbor, you're probably looking for someone that has that kind of commercial real estate background. Um, And um, so I think you're kind of looking for that experience that overlaps, the scale of project that overlaps. Um, with what you're doing. And also I think it's a lot about personal fit because the idea here is that you're really representing them. And so you have to be comfortable with that person's style and you have to trust that they really have your interest at heart. Um, So there is no real magic list. Um, I think you should probably start by asking different people that maybe are similar to your needs, Um, ask them who they used or have heard of. Um, Contractors have worked with a lot of them and architects have worked with a lot of them. So those are other places to kind of, if you have friends in those industries, you can get recommendations there. I would say you can Google them, but if you Google me, I haven't figured out how to get myself to come up. So
0: that's that's not just the... We're working on that. That's that's part of the, right. you know, we're, we have you on here to get you some SEO. But if people are interested in in actually reaching out to you, we have a lot of listeners, obviously, in, in the DMV area, and they've got a, a project, big or small. Um, where do they find you? What is the website? We'll put a link in the show notes, but why not just say it? Put it out into the universe.
1: Well, you can find me on my LinkedIn page, um, Google Ann Ann Powell, and you'll find me, um, Ann Powell Baltimore, and and my website and my phone number are all on there. Um, And then you can also look up my um, website and which is, you know. Again, I just started in May. It's developing, Um, but it has my contact information and you can communicate directly to me through there. Um, And that is um, planbbaltimore.com.
0: Perfect place to find it. Um, Before we go, it'll be, I think people will be interested. You know, people are always curious, like what architects have worked on, um, You know, we know what you're working on now, which is, you know, being an owner's rep. And um, it'd be interesting maybe to hear about if you're able to, what kind of projects or at least types that you're representing right now. And then for people listening who are like, well, I wonder what she worked on as an architect. Are there any, any like favorites that you want to call out?
1: Sure. So um, I am very fortunate to have been provided. I had, I have good projects right out of the gate. one project that I have is um, I had done a lot of uh, lab lab design um, in the past. And so I am working with the University of Maryland School of Medicine. Um, they're doing about uh, 50 plus thousand square feet of new lab construction. Um, So I'm working with them to help them, you know, wrangle the researchers, get what they represent, kind of the researchers, and make sure that the architects are staying on track and will stay with that project through construction. And then um, I also had a great relationship with a developer, American Communities Trust, um, China Boat Terrell, who has been working on one of my favorite Baltimore projects for a long time called the Baltimore used to be the Baltimore Food Hub now it's called the Baltimore Pump House. It's the Eastern Pumping Station in West Baltimore kind of at the intersection of Wolf and Gay Street just north of the train tracks above Johns Hopkins. Um, that's a about a four or five building campus from the turn of the century um, Adaptive reuse, neighborhood revitalization, uh, taking something that was a blight and turning it into a community resource. Um, so I, that's a real pleasure for me to help be part of getting that design completed and into construction for the next eighteen months or so. Um, so that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing right now, and working on getting this business off the ground, um, and always looking for new work and building new relationships. Um, Really, anything that revitalizes my neighborhood and community is what I love. Um, do you want me to do you have questions about that, Nick?
0: No, I mean I think that that I. I... I think that that's a great way and, and kind of gives paints a picture of the, the diversity of things that an ownership can work on. So everything from uh, revitalization um, of historic places to uh, new new lab space, which I know nothing about, but it sounds fascinating. I think we need it. Um, I'm pro lab space. Um, uh, before we go, buildings you've worked on. People always are interested, like what architects have touched anything out there that people would be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Or um, some of your favorites.
1: Sure. Well, um, on just to touch, let's see, on the Eastern Shore, uh, I did a little addition to and kind of repositioning of entry at Academy Art Museum. If you're listening on the Eastern Shore and and, um, the Salisbury University Academic Commons, which is a big hundred million dollar new library for Salisbury University. So over there you can see little and big projects. Um, in Western Maryland Nick and I worked on the Jonathan Street cabin together for preservation Maryland in Hagerstown which was uh the smallest project I've done at un- under 700 square feet in a long time and oldest log cabin dating back to the 1700s yeah
0: 1739 cool. yeah
1: yeah and um, also worked on the uh CNO canal headquarters for the National Park Service in Williamsport um so again, you know, always uh new construction as well as adaptive use renovation um in town my some of my favorites uh American brewery from uh, about 15 years ago uh, food hub or pump house which I'm doing now right down the street from American brewery um I also um really loved um, working on the Eddie's of Roland Park renovation. Um, that's a perfect example of a project that used an owner's rep um, to design, through design and construction, nine phases of construction with the store being operational throughout. That was a lot of fun. And I just also worked on the newly opened nature and educate nature education center at Sylvan Arboretum, which is a great little carriage house with an addition on it, modern addition. Um, the list is really awesome. I mean, I, I love my projects and I'm really excited about, you know, being here in this region and helping people bring these projects to light. You know, it is, it is so much fun. And I believe so much in the power of this community and the transformation of Baltimore.
0: Well, that's probably a perfect place to end it. We normally ask people about their favorite historic place or site. Um, it's, uh, it's a tif- difficult question. I'm curious before we go, if you have one or perhaps one that you've visited most recently.
1: Well, I live here on Mount Vernon Place um, on in, in Mount Vernon. Uh, so I always like to take Well, my guests always want to go see the Peabody Library, and I always like everybody to go to the top of the Washington Monument and take a look, um, you know, all four directions
0: out and look at this amazing city we live in. Well, that's a, that, that is the perfect place to end it. Um, and it's been fun to talk with you. We'll have links in the show notes if people want to hire you so that they can have you work on their project. Um, and uh, we uh, look forward to hearing from you and uh, seeing what you represent again in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Nick. It's always a
0: pleasure. Thanks for listening to Preserve Cast. To dig deeper into this episode's story, head over to PreserveCast.org for show notes and our collection of previous episodes. Don't forget to engage with this podcast by subscribing, commenting, and leaving a review. Follow along on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at PreserveCast for even more. PreserveCast is currently recorded in Walkersville, Maryland, and sponsored by the 1772 Foundation and powered by Preservation Maryland. Thanks for listening, and keep on preserving.